Whenever you're ready, man, we get it rolling. Man, I'm ready to rock and roll, my guy. All right. So you guys are um, welcome to the second episode, the second episode of Black as Fuck podcast. And um, if you haven't found out what Black as Fuck is, you are late. What are you doing? Go to the website, figure it out, give us some comments, let us know how you feel about it. But Black as Fuck is always going to be um, celebrating the successes of our people, how intricately um, ingrained we are into every single thing that goes in, in this world. And today we are talking about science, 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 science. And we have the infamous um, Brandon Williams, the, not the, the uh, bearded scientist. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The bearded scientist. And I'll, I'll just give a little bit of... Uh, information i've been we've been in the same social circles to some degree for a long time here i've only been in texas for about a decade uh, i feel like i've been seeing you around because i was like who is this cat with his better beard than me i don't really appreciate that bro so um but i'm like this but every time we have a conversation it's always positive it's always cheery and i and i'm always looking um from the from the behind the scenes at the amazing things that you got going on. So I'm super proud of you as a black man. I'm super proud of you and your as your field and everything you're doing to um, let the world know about science. But I want you to tell people about what's going on with Mr. Brandon Williams, the bearded scientist, and 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 give us a little bit of history of how you got here, man, and where, what you're doing with your program over at um, Seeds to STEM. Yes. And, and that beautiful work you got going on. So, so this is your bragging opportunity, man. Brag a little bit. I want to hear it. I, I don't mind, you know, uh, bragging on myself at all. That's not that's not even the issue for me. Uh, one, I want to thank you for having me on Black as Fuck. I appreciate it. I know you could have had any dope in, creative on this, and you you picked me, and I really appreciate that, man. And you're right. You know, we've been moving in the sh- moving and shaking in the same space for years. And uh, every time we sit and chop it up, man, it's always it's always positive, man, and enlightening. You still you've been still to me uh, many golden nuggets over the years, and I appreciate uh, you, man. Thank you. Oh, that's what's up, man. I'm passing them down. People telling me I always pass on the information that I didn't use wisely anyway. Maybe somebody else <laughs> gonna do something better with it. So um, I'm glad I'm glad that we you that that respect is mutual. So seeds to stem, man. How did it come to part, man? I, I remember it a little bit in his younger days, and then all of a sudden, I turn around and it was like, boom! This thing that oh, blew man. up. So um, when I first got to Dallas, I was at, I was moving or shaking it, shaking in the uh, urban league young professionals, right? And you know, I'm I'm chasing up behind, I'm chasing them behind on well, tagging along on everybody else's coattail, trying to figure out what I'm gonna do. You know, and I realized my love and my desire is to enrich people or students in science. At the time I was running for president of YP at the time, lost in a landslide. It's all good. (laughs) Uh, But what I what what birthed from that was seats to STEM. Um, I was always already tinkering with it. And right at that moment, it was just a concept in my mind. But after that, after that race, I really start putting pen to the pen to paper, figuring out how can I raise awareness and provide opportunities for exposure for children in STEM. And seats to STEM was birthed. Uh, I birthed out of that. Mm-hmm. We got rocking and rolling in 2012. And you're absolutely right. It was just an idea. Um, and we moved a little bit, man. Over the past two and a half years, man, we've grown so so much. It's 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 ridiculous. 
Yeah, and that's, and that's amazing. And it says a testament. Uh, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I'm always starting something new. Black as fuck was something that I started just a result of, you know, as I, I have young children. So I was like, how am I going to impart upon them all the, the history of blackness by myself? And I was like, I can't. That's just too much of a task. Our history is so broad, so rich. I can't do it by myself. I need help. And so Black as Fuck was the tool to do that. Just started it up and say, we'll see where this goes. Um, and, and, and I think that's how greatness starts, is that people just start. And I'm so proud that you started. You just, you didn't necessarily figure out how things were going to go or um, if we don't get to X, Y, Z goal, uh, we're not successful. It was just an everyday thing that you pursued and pushed and, and it's become something fabulous. Man, it's, it was definitely it was definitely one of those trial and error things, and and you have to you have to push through and pivot at the same time, like constantly pushing through. I I hit this challenge, I hit that challenge, this hurdle, that hurdle, and no one was really at the time. No, we didn't have a lot of figures in nonprofit. We, yeah. we still we still don't have a lot of influential figures in nonprofit that's African American. That is, uh, so figuring out. Figuring out the landscape was challenging. No, and I'm I'm just now, my head is just above water uh, right now. So we still got a long way to go and we're gonna do it in the space of science. That's what's up, brother. So so tell me a little bit about this. I was reading up on science. Usually what I do is I spend a couple hours before I talk to um, people about the podcast, just thinking about what I wanna talk about, what questions I wanna ask and start reading about statistics. And, and some of the statistics I was reading, I got a couple up here now, about um, uh, us in, in STEM fields, engineering fields, as a result of a percentage of um, uh, our population, right? So we, about, we usually make up about 13, somewhere between 12 and 14% of the population. Right. Uh, but when it comes to how many PhDs or how many bachelor degrees in science, our numbers are under where other minorities have higher numbers, right? So if they make up 9% uh, for the Asian community, they make up maybe about 6%. Well, they put 9, 10, 12% of the degrees out in that world. How did you get so enamored with science? Because one of the things that I think is bad about this association with college degrees is that the love of science doesn't happen at the collegiate level. No, you already in love with science. You gotta, you gotta walk. You gotta come into this thing like loving it from the, from the, from the rip, and and that's the, that's exactly what it was for me. But let me circle back and talk about that percentage number real quick. Yes, uh, please do. African Americans that's in that have postgraduate degrees. You have to take, you have to think, take into consideration. They group all black, brown, black people in that space. That's Africans as well. Yeah. And in reality, the percentage of African-Americans is less than that. It's probably mm. 3%. The National Science Foundation uh, in 2007 did a study that actually said in the workforce, in, po with, in regards to people with post-second degrees, African-Americans make up less than 3%, 3% of biological sciences. So anything dealing with, bio with bio biology and science in the workplace, not just STEM, it may, we make up less than 3%. So, if wow. you, and, and that's, that's crazy to me. Like, yeah. 
in every research lab on the planet, there's a black person making strides that you don't know exist. And take it yeah. further, uh, even further back, back in the 1900s, early 1900s, we made all, all the discoveries. Like mm. Vanderbilt is known, Vanderbilt University is known based off of, it was a study called, it was, it was based off of, I'm gonna butcher this right now, and it was at the top of my head. It was a blue baby study. Back in the day, uh, uh, Caucasian babies, uh, based off of this, this abnormality, they turned blue. Yeah. It was an irregular irregularity in like a valve or or something. And um uh, uh, African and African American figure out the process in which how to reverse that, and he never he never got credit for it. I mean he has credit now, but what 10, 15, 20 years, everybody knew he was doing it, and he never got credit. There's yeah. a great movie based off that story, that story called Something the Lord Made. In a bless your spirit if you watch. Who's who's the character in there? Who's the main character in there? Uh most death is the main character in there. I love this movie. I know exactly what you're talking about. Because he was yeah. like a carpenter at, at one yeah, time. He was like a carpenter and he, he went, he, he uh went to Vanderbilt to work in their husbandry. That's just scooping, scooping mess. He went to work in the husbandry and then he just started studying the techniques. A nice chunk of the surgical tools we use today, he made them. And he wow. never he never patented any of it, and he never profited off of any of them as well. Not a, not a dime. You know, it's what I've been as I've been researching various topics to talk about on Black as Fuck um, podcast. What I'm realizing that it only makes sense that we have um, we are we we have so much knowledge because in order to do science right, you need a lot of labor. There's a lot of labor associated with, with good science. It is. And back then, especially, wasn't no cheaper labor than our labor. Man, man, you had everybody from, you had physical doctors, you had carpenters, you had teachers. And back then, that was way before segregation actually happened. So so all of our notable, notable scientists weren't actually scientists back in the day. They were just a mm -hmm. dude that was working in the lab who who got paid five no no like a dollar seventy five an hour if that yeah yeah that's Imagine, amazing to me you it, that core that made me that would get riled up thinking about it with that <laughs> being, that's one of the reasons why I I I I ramped up seats to STEM my background is lab animal medicine and. When I used to go in these research facilities, anywhere from Alcon, St. Jude, uh, UT Southwestern, the the most people you see that's African American, they always the janitors. And these in yeah. these million dollar research facilities, all the black people are janitors. So how can yeah. we raise awareness to the youth that these fields exist? And oh, hold on, and you can participate. Do you know you don't even need a master's to get your PhD in science? Oh, really? No, Bro, that's crazy. You graduate with a bachelor's and walk straight into your PhD because if you don't finish your PhD, guess what they give you? Uh, your master's. master's. Yes. <laughs> that's amazing. I, I had no clue. I thought there was levels to this shit, like everything else. You got to go through Bro, this one to get to that one to get to that one. I'm telling you, I know this from experience uh, that you don't need your PA, your master's to get your PhD. They they said they may say you need. 
a little more refining in your coursework. Like, come on now. A master's don't teach you how to do PhD work, just like a bachelor's don't teach you how to do master's work. Absolutely. 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 So tell me, tell me how your love for science began, because I think you got to take it back to the beginning um, for anything that becomes such a passionate project like you have. You've got to take it back to the beginning. Where did science, where did you realize science is going to be something that I'm going to love and think about and be a participant in the rest of my life? So uh, I was that normal country dude walking around rural Arkansas with my dog and my stick walking through the field. That was, that was me, you know, walking right. through the field and rabbits. But it wasn't until I attended the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff that it really, I, it, it really consumed me. I landed a job at the Governor Mike Huckabee's Delta Ridgeville Nature Center in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. I'm sorry, I get, you know, I get riled up. I get excited. Okay. <laughs> so I, landed, going, going. I landed a job at the Nature Center in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. And bro, when I say they gave me, they gave me keys to the kingdom. I'm talking about, I was working with every venomous snake in the tri-state area. I had wow. a gold eagle, a bald eagle. I was working with uh, raccoons. I was working with uh, great horned owls and peregrine falcons. I had a, I had my own alligator when I was there. I was raising baby otters and minks and like, man, I was, man, they, they just let me do whatever I wanted to do as long as I was taking care of the animals. And from that point on, I realized that my space was, I belonged in science. I switched mm. my major from engineering to biology. Mm. And, that's, and that's, it, that's what I really, when I see these numbers, right, I'm like, man, I don't think I really got it. I'm, I mean, I was a writer. I was, I, I did a lot of reading in, 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 in my early education. But high school, like, we fall in love with things way before high school. Right. way before college, right? So I'm big into mentorship. But I know where I fell in love with that. I fell in love with that in Boy Scouts because my dad was my scoutmaster. There was a couple people who were super uh, impactful and, and transformative into my life. And that, that experience said, I always want to be poured into young people um, as much as possible because that's why I've accomplished and achieved the things that I have. Now that you but say hearing that, most people talk about their first science class when they're dissecting a frog, and that's two years in high school. Man, it makes you, it, it makes me think about like I'm going. Let me go further back because I was in Boy Scouts, and I was also in 4-H. For folks don't don't know 4-H, and then Future Farmers in the, of America. I was in all yeah. those, I was in all those clubs uh, uh, that most of those don't even exist anymore because for some reason yeah. like we don't need farmers. You know, <laughs> that makes no sense. Yeah, like I was in all I was in all of those clubs, and they really instilled what they instilled in me more than anything was a work ethic and a desire to to obtain knowledge, the the desire to obtain an education, and and what college people don't understand. You go to college to get a degree. You learn some things along the way, but you really get the uh, education along the way through college. And once you get yeah. out, of it, that's when you and people don't understand the difference between an education and a degree. Yeah, yeah, the degree is just a, a, a conduit; it's a means of getting there. But education goes along the process. You're absolutely correct. So tell me, tell me your perspective on, on why more black people ain't in STEM. So uh, most black people aren't in STEM because they're not they don't they don't have relatives that's in STEM. 
Our yeah. kids, our kids are more likely to engage in STEM activities because one, we're college educated and we are connected to the STEM fields in some shape, form, or fashion. But what happens when you in when you're in South Dallas and not not I'm not knocking any professions, but your mom works at Amazon. Yeah. Or she's a social worker. Or, or, or a social worker. Not even a social worker, because the chances of a child entering the STEM field is greater because a social worker is college educated. Mm. Right? So what if your mom never went to college or trade school or any of that? Like how 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 can you get exposed? My grandmother once told me you can't dream about something you've never seen before. So how can yeah. you dream about being a pharmacologist or a neurologist or hold on, a flavorist? A flavorist. For though for a flavorist is, and I, I get excited every time I think about this. A flavorist is the person who determines how much cheese is on a Cheeto. <laughs> They're, they're, they're right. a food scientist or a chemist. Yeah. And all these people's names are escaping me. The most notable flavorist was the gentleman who discovered hot Cheetos, a Mexican gentleman out of California. They forgot to dust, put the cheese powder on the Cheeto, and he took the plain Cheetos home, put chili powder on them, brought them back to work, and was passing them out. They was like, nigga, what? Till this day, every bag of flaming hot Cheetos sold. That man get paid. We flaming hot Cheetos, Takis, all of that. Wow. That man get paid. No, we killing. I know we we kill flaming hot Cheetos, and we'll 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 spice them up with a little cheese sauce. But but think of it like think of it from this point standpoint. How many people do you know that even know that 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 path exists? Like, how can we mm. raise awareness that that field isn't is is there? How many, not just African African Americans, but Hispanic people as well? They have no idea stuff exists in certain communities. Right. So, right. If, so we're closer we're closer to knowing than they are. But if I'm in South Dallas doing a program, I bring these things up. I share these nuggets. I tell them that one science is a business. Science is all around us, and everything everything is related to science. Kids, yeah. you know, our kids love gear. They love being fly. I was like, but, but, do do you know, like, there's a science behind them. Like, my shirt has a little sheen to it. There's a science behind making this shine like this. You know, yeah. you study all those things. Like, was my shirt dyed, or is it natural fabric that did that? Versus, like, a whole a pigment that they added to it. One of the things, one of the, I, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but. I'm thinking of I'm thinking of uh, how I incorporate cultural relevance into what we do. Kid, um, little girls, most you know you know at least thirty black women that use edge control. Yeah, right. No, you can Google how to make edge control and make it at the crib. It's like it's probably not even six ingredients that you can go to Walmart and get. Whip them up real quick, teaching them the science behind it. And teaching them about an organic way to improve to slick down the hair. Teaching them right, and this is just an everyday thing that you do every day that science is involved in. And that's a great transition to my next question because science solves problems, right? Every day, every day, science solves problems. Um, and what I we have a lot of problems in our culture and our community that need solved. Right. Right. 
how do we apply that, that scientific understanding? Tell me where you think science could better our, some of the issues in our community. Man. I think, I think, I think we have to go. I mean, you talk about Cheetos. Eating is one of them, right? right. We got a bad problem. Understanding that, <laughs> I mean, already we, we know that salt isn't help, uh, healthy for us, but we consume it in, in gobs. You know, one of the ways we can, that science can help us right now in our community is by one, just simply listening to our doctors and encouraging our community to go to the doctor. Like it wasn't until I got married that I went to the doctor and that was like two, three weeks ago. <laughs> right, right. The funny thing is I'm, I'm conscious of science because my dad was a diabetic and he did not manage it well at all. So, so I spent a lot of time in the hospitals and so I, I was seeing all this stuff go down and at the same time it was sparking my interest. But more importantly, it made a connection between my eating habits, my workout habits, my um, lifestyle habits, and the science associated with how I can can make those better for my outcomes. Right. So it's, it it goes it boils down to it boils down to um, this is a food this is a food science issue. So this is we have to tackle this from a, a food science perspective. Like we have to understand our caloric our calorie intake. We got to understand our carbohydrates and lipids. Black people consume a lot of lipids. Lipids are fats. Like everything has a little touch of fat in it somewhere. Yeah. You know, and it's not just because we fry chicken. We'll throw some extra shit up in there. Nice little we, piece of every time we, we, Let me throw a little bit of this in there. You know, let me let me go. Let me not cook with olive oil. Let me go get some vegetable oil that ain't really vegetable oil. Let me go get that and put that in there. We throw all kind of random shit inside of, a, uh, inside of our meals that we don't need. Like all the time, I'm thinking. I'm sitting here thinking, like, you can't name something one thing that doesn't have a fat in it that we could. Mm. Yeah. No, you can't go to no vegan restaurant and get nothing that ain't fried in fat. That's crazy as heck to me. That's crazy. <laughs> every, the whole notion. Every, every vegan, every I don't know. I don't know how often you eat vegan. I dabble in it a little bit, but every dope cuisine that's in a vegan restaurant is fried. Yeah, I'm about 80, I'm about 80, 20 in terms of vegetarian lifestyle. Um, I still love a nice little full wing from Rudy's occasionally uh, with all of that sauce you're talking about. I just have learned to be able to do it once a month, once every month and a half versus, um, you know, every day. Like when I was growing up, you you used to, I mean, it was going to be three, four days a week. You're going to smell that fried chicken coming out of the crib because of the economics behind it. We can... It's so much you can do in food science to help shape our our people's behavior, just from portion control, like limiting certain things that we eat. I think we can we will engage more African Americans if we we engage more Black people if we just simply taught them dope stuff to cook that doesn't involve involve frying stuff and adding salt to it. Because people swear salt is the only thing that makes food taste better. The only thing, and, and there's a million spices out there. And if you ever go to an Indian restaurant, you'd be like, they don't use salt a lot at all, but everything in there is flavorful as ever. Fire! What? That yeah. makes me want to go get some uh, some uh, chicken tikka <laughs> masala right now. I eat that stuff like that. So, <laughs> so one of the things you do exceptionally well is make science cool as shit. Now I appreciate that. And 
I, I, I hesitate to be so worried about um, how cool things are to our community, but the reality is we are a beacon. We are a source for the next trends. Tell me a little bit more about that process. I was watching on your um, your um, social media the other day, you making these concrete um, my, my, holders. My, my concrete creations. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, man, I'm dope as hell. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm over here trying to see what I'm gonna do for Christmas gifts this year. I'm like, shit. I'm gonna have to put out hey, some. Um, my Etsy shop about to drop too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So now, now you got that going on. Yeah. And that that that's a different part of the science world, right? Right. And that and that we can make stuff exceptionally cool. So tell us a little bit about the 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 way you've done that, or is that just something that's natural in who we are that just. I think- I think it's natural, man. I think you have to be unapologetically you. You know this. I, whenever mm-hmm. you see me, I'm consistent. Whether it's foolery yeah. or not, I'm consistent with mine. And you have to show that authenticity authenticity when you're talking to kids. If you don't, they're going to call you on your BS. Like, at Real all quick. times. So, and you got to just, when I say be yourself, like, when I show up to events, I'm not dressed up. You will never see me at a STEM event at, in a collar shirt. I have on t-shirts and jeans and some jays or something. Or some yes, jeans and stuff. And a fitted hat. I'm surprised I ain't got a hat on now. But right. that, but I want to see them. Like, scientists don't even wear suits in the lab. They have on hoop and shorts and t-shirts most of the time. <laughs> and that's <Right>. crazy. <laughs> like, most it's scientists... Funny, it's funny like, because um, I, I know there's a some of the some of the barriers to entry to, in my head with respect to science is the same that we were talking about um, esports uh, a couple weeks back. Um, we you and you were, you touched on this, and I want you to touch on a little bit more. We only get highlights of what's possible in a field, meaning everybody wants to be LeBron James. Right. Now they don't know there's 74 other roles going on in that NBA organization that you have a much higher likelihood of participating in because you're not six foot seven, 260 solid, right? In science, it's very similar to that. You're talking about taste, you're talking about smell, you're talking about all the guys who, who really make things happen before the pizza get put in the box. Right. Um, how do we communicate that broad, more broadly? Like in the E-games, right? There's the E-game, there's the guys who get all the attention because they can play them, right? But there's somebody who literally made the soundtrack for that game. Right. Yeah. And there's somebody who did the artwork for that game. There's How do a, we do the same for, for there's science? A, there's the audio visual dude, video audio visual dude who making sure they hold all the systems running. So yeah. science, people focus on doctors and they focus on professors. They think that's the only thing you can be when you major in science. You know, but that's not the case. It boils down to simple awareness. And then once you dive deeper into it, they tell you, oh, you can be a neuroscientist, you know, but they don't tell you that you can be a toxicologist. They don't tell you that you can be a pharmacologist. They don't tell you that you can be, um, hell, I, why is it, a, well, um, a microbiologist. They don't tell you that you can be a zoologist or, and just study frogs or a herpetologist. They don't tell you that you can just study if you want to study tree frogs, you can do that. There's a person who does that. If you want to study the different type of flies and mosquitoes up there are, there's a person who, there's a dude out there that do it. As mm-hmm. men and women, 
is doing. We don't do it because we don't like flies like that. But I'm just saying. <laughs> right. Big mama ain't letting that happen in your house, bro. It boils down to awareness. Like right now, from where we are, within 20 square miles, you have you have Paul Quinn, SMU, UNTD, UTD, T, uh, uh, UTA. Like most people don't, most people don't even know that UT Arlington has this massive facility full with no, full with nothing but amphibians. They're preserved amphibians and snakes. It's a herpetology center, and it's just full of full of random. Oh, wow, you have to take the kids out there. That's crazy. You got you got to get you have to have access. You can't just walk in there. But it's one of those right. things. If you set it up in advance as an yeah. exploratory thing, they'll they'll let you in. I love they, to have you there. Man, that, that's just my first I shameless plug before I was in between successes. I briefly worked at UTA and the the, the director of herpetology let me let me hold this giant African frog. When I'm, my hand is spaced out like this, because this how big it was. Yeah, I ain't messed with no frog that big, uh, no, Literally, literally, it was this big. And you could like it could swallow your hand. That's how big that frog was. Now it was preserved, wow. but it was massive. So you have we have to think about exposure. We have the best parks on, in South Dallas and Oak Cliff, and and in West Dallas. All the best parks are on our side of town. The bet the only the only forest in DFW for real. The Trinity Forest is in South yeah. Dallas. The whole mm -hmm. South Dallas. Is the Trinity Forest South Dallas isn't just three zip codes? South Dallas is massive, and people fail to realize that South Dallas butt up against out to uh, was it 45 and go yeah. all the way up until you hit another yeah. city. But people don't yeah. know that all the best trails of the city, like you can see some of the most amazing wildlife in the world out there wild foxes mm. and cranes and coyotes and. Oh, man, you can see a lot of dope stuff out there. We're gonna have to take an expedition out down to Trinity, bro. I, I definitely want to get you because uh, one of, one of the things again, like I said, Black as Fuck is about me utilizing my network to expose my children to as much of the things that I don't know. Because the one things I, I one things I felt like about my own, um, I went into business and management because, it, like you said, it's the only thing I saw. Right. Of the people doing it really well in my black community, it was only the people doing it in, in, in business and in, in, in management. So that's what I eventually went down to. I wanted to be a teacher at one time. I did a student teaching session for about three months and I said, this ain't for me. Um, but mostly because um, I realized that they don't really care about it. Not that they don't care about it. They expect you to teach. But what they don't do is... Um, Communicate to you that you're gonna be doing a whole lot more than just teaching. They don't. They they don't inform you that you're gonna be somebody's father. You're gonna be their brother. Yeah. You're gonna be their big brother. You're gonna be their counselor. You're gonna be their stepdaddy. You're gonna be all of these things as a as a teacher that you and you still have to teach co uh, the content, and then you have to you have to help them cope with home issues. You have to help them deal with uh, navigating racial issues depending on where the school yeah. is located. You have to. You have to you have to help them navigate all these societal norms that they haven't even discovered. That's that's the thing yet. That, mm -hmm. So let me ask you this: We just we just went through an election cycle with I would with what I would say an administration that isn't 
I'm not saying they don't believe in science, but they ain't necessarily uh, yelling it from the rooftops at the same time. Right. Um, in this transition, what would you want the next administration to do specifically for the black community in terms of how they, how we how they advocate for the science? Man, you know, I ask, that's the question somebody actually brought up to me. And going into this next administration, you know, I would want them to simply fund science. They need to put the mm -hmm. resources, the money into it. Uh, a lot of organizations like ours uh, receive money from the larger science research entities, uh, whether it's the National Science Foundation, whether honestly the DOJ or the DDD, you know, the Department of Defense, like we get money from the, those entities. So we, we need it to be funded. Like we need all the dope programs that NASA did were cut because they slashed yeah. their budget significantly. Not just because they was trying to go to Mars or somewhere like that. That that money's still there. Right, right, right. right. The highlight show. Yeah, they, they slashed the funds for the programs that will get to us. That allow mm. us to take a bus full of kids to NASA and we don't have to pay for it. They slashed those funds. So they have to fund science and and put people in place that will disseminate those funds properly. Cause right now, large institutions get the money and they don't, it doesn't trickle down to the to the organizations that's on the ground actually doing the work. So if they go, yeah. large organizations go get uh, uh, 300,000 and give you, give us 2,000. <laughs> and say making enough. Yeah, I ain't knocking them, but I'm just saying that's the reality. That's that's what's up, Brandon. Um, one of the things about science that's very um, interesting to me, and I wish we did it better. Why is it so difficult to ingest science? What I mean. I, what I see, especially, I mean, we're going through all these fights about climate change and this and COVID. Like, we literally have folks refusing to wear masks for whatever reason. Why is it so difficult to ingest science when you're not in the field? We focus on what, what matters to us. Mm -hmm. And uh, most people don't care or don't have a, they don't, I'm not going to say they don't care. They don't have a desire to care. Um, yeah. most, most people know that science is real. It's not magic. It's real. Most people understand the, the basic concepts. It just doesn't intrigue them. So they don't have a desire to do further research to gain a complete understanding. But see, here's my, here's my, here's the crazy part of that. You are intrigued by your, by your, um, your iPhone. Right. People are super intrigued iPhone ain't nothing but a whole lot of science smashed together. It's a massive, it's a mini computer. That's all it is. Yeah. And and yet we can't we can't get a society, it seems to me. Um, and I know there's some other things that I'm not gonna get on into because it's a different podcast, but like in in terms of religiosity and all those things that kind of push science to the to the side. Um, but I also don't believe that that's a fair conflict. I don't think having religious beliefs requires you to conflict with science whatsoever. Not at all. Not mm -hmm. at all. I'm a child of and, God, and I believe in Jesus and science. Like, 
at the same time. Right. So, so not, let me ask you a, a couple. This, and this is one of our um, one of our static questions that uh, we ask people. Tell me something that's black as fuck about science that people have no idea about. Man. Black and I should have gave you this question in advance, but you know, I'd be doing a whole lot you know of what? shit. That's a there's a there's a there's a, a swag or a dopeness that's in science that just like anything else, when we enter the space. We set the trends for, mm. like, like me making science dope, like elevates any entity that I go into to another level just for my blackness. Like you, I walk into a space, they be like, "Oh shit, this is about to be dope." We gonna listen to him. Yeah, like your existence, yeah. like that. Your existence is what make science black as fuck. The fact that you have like me being in the space, me being knowledgeable about it, me being fly, me being uh, having a big, me, me being a big black man with a beard, like that makes it black as fuck. Me being the only person in there and and boldly expressing my love and desire, you know, you know this. I'm passionate. The what these people are seeing on this podcast, they don't know. I do this all the time. This like, is how you wake like, up. Yeah. It's how I wake up. I've it's never seen you not like this. Right. It's like this. If you start talking about science, I am like this all the time. And that that's what makes it dope. You know, it makes it dope mm. because seeing a black male in the space who loves it unapologetically. Like I'm I tell kids it's dope to be a nerd. I ain't never seen one dude that wasn't wealthy that wasn't a nerd. Nerds Art. are wealthy. Cool. I don't know what too many cool dudes that's that's wealthy. Not one. <laughs> right. You're right. You're exactly exactly <laughs> right. Guess what? Guess where they are? They still back at the crib. Yeah. <laughs> when we them. Exactly. All right. So I ain't got. I ain't gonna hold you too much longer, man. This is this has been amazing. I, the level of excitement that you show with respect to science is. I don't think there's anything that compares to it. I, I, I know how people feel about the things that they love, right? And right. and I get it because, you know, the things that they love, other people love, right? right? But you love science, and you don't give a shit if anybody else loves it at all. Not at all. I care less. I was like, people, people our mutual friends know, if you talk to me, you know what I'm going to talk about. It, it, yeah. I ain't talking about basketball. I ain't talking about football. I don't even know who's on the Cowboys football team. But <laughs> I can I can tell you some of the latest National Science Foundation articles that just dropped. I can tell you some 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 flowers that's blooming on the Trinity right now. I can tell you that groundhogs are uh, about to hibernate up up in the uh, Lake Worth area. If you haven't done that, by the way. There's a nature center of, uh, uh, in Lake Worth that you got to take the little ones to. They got groundhogs and buffaloes up there. It's only like 45 minutes away. It's real dope. Uh, you know, I'm writing it down right now. That's you know, I'm all about uh, exposing them to the most is po most most um, possibilities possible. This is my last question, man. Being black as fuck. 
being black in itself, right, is 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 I think it, it all has it all time highs for both good and bad, mm-hmm. right? Right. Meaning that I haven't seen people so proudly talk about their blackness in, in, in my generation, right? So I remember hearing stories about um, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. Well, that was before me, right? I do remember Public Enemy trying to do that, but I also remember Public Enemy pushing, getting pushed to the side, and and because they weren't, they were way too proud about being black. What makes you proud about being black as fuck right now? And what makes you wish? What do you? What do you? What don't you wish was black as fuck? Meaning, there's a good and a bad side to each of this cone. What What are you happy about? right now about being black as fuck and what do you wish you can you can probably water down in terms of it being as black as fuck and i love the fact that being black as fuck shapes society period in all regards not just right entertainment and sports in business as well like we set trends we we are we move the needle forward in business like our habits and our buying power moves that forward i love that now we have to repackage that and make sure that that our buying power trickles down to our community and so, yeah. so we can support black owned businesses businesses in that regard i re- i wish that there wasn't some things that wasn't black as fuck is in the same vein you know i don't like the fact that people people capitalize off of our greatness and don't give credit what credit is due you know yeah. I, don't, I don't like the fact that like all the black dope black scientists that before me, you know, never patented their inventions. Where Carter mm. G. Woodson, Carter G. Woodson never got really true credit for uh putting the, for giving Henry Ford the uh, idea about the assembly line. That was Carter G. Woodson. No, George mm. Washington Carver. I'm sorry, George Washington Carver, out of Tuskegee. Like that's important to know. So imagine if, um, imagine if he would have patented all those things that he was doing with the peanut. You know, think about it. And, yeah. if, and, if, and if some individuals that raised him weren't trifling as hell and castrated that man, what, <laughs> what his kids would be? Like, exactly. his, kids be his, his kids would be like the Rockefellers. Exactly, exactly. And, you know what I'm saying? But, That's but, amazing. But we have to, I love the fact that we, right now in this era that we're in, our bold, our black, and being black and being bold is being celebrated. Like, I love, I walk into a space, you're going to get this blackness and this energy. I'm not watering it down. Like, oh, not no more. Like, not no more. Like, for what? I told somebody, yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm the dopest, I'm the dopest dude in science. Who better? Yeah, I and, agree. And, I agree. And, but here's the thing you, it took years to be able to say that. I can, mm-hmm. I, t- I tell people right now, I said, my biggest competitor is the Perot Museum, and I don't have I don't have an ounce of the money that they got. Yeah. Wow. But they're my biggest competitor. Who else touches? Yeah. Because you know what? Because you can't even name the other people. You can't. And I, t- brother, I t- this has been amazing, man. I I am. You know, I'm a fan. You know, I'm a super fan. Whatever I see, I gotta I gotta put my hands on you and make sure you understand how amazing you are. I need you to keep doing this. Um, I know I ain't no science aficionado, so I'm going to use you. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm 100% use you. And I'm going to say, look, dude, 
If you're interested in this, you need to go talk to Uncle Brandon because he know all about this shit. Definitely. And, and, and if you need to send your kids over here for basketball lessons, I got you. Definitely. Don't forget, I got to get your kids these lab coats too, man. You know, we've been giving our lab coats for a minute. And I got, I'm holding on to a couple of them for you, for you little ones. All right, man. That's what's up. And uh, look, this is what I, this is the last thing I want to say. And I'm going to give you the last word. First and foremost, like I said, I am, I am, um, Probably, probably only the one is cat, one cat. I actually envy his beard over mine, right? And I've been playing with these cats with these little bitty baby beards. I'd be like, y'all don't understand. I can grow that out in about two weeks, right? But I am, I am amazed, and I am always enchanted by brothers who are confident in their capabilities. Because a lot of people think of me as confident. What they don't know is there's a lot of insecurities and things that I just have overcome, and have been able to show to the world that hey. Damn, that Rob, he seemed like he owned it. But I question myself on a daily basis. So when I see brothers like yourself who are super proud, standing exactly where they at in their own space, it is the most encouraging thing to me because it gives me all the strength to go out and do it the same way. So I appreciate that about you, and I'm going to let you wrap it up. Man, man, I appreciate you for having me on. Um, I really do. I don't take it for granted. I love this platform, Black as Fuck. You know, it, it it warms my heart to see you grinding and doing your thing as well. And right before we get out of here, I just want people to stay tuned. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Seeds2STEM. Uh, in a minute, that information is going to be changing because we're rebranding. But follow us there. And before we get out of here, I want people to stay tuned because we're in the process of building the largest mobile STEM mobile in the state of Texas. So, and we're gonna need all the community support to get that off the ground. Uh, it's gonna be 53 feet of pure amazingness that we roll into school districts and just and just have the most amazing time ever. That's beautiful, Brandon. Just when I think you can't do enough, man, you go out and do some more. I appreciate you being a part of Black as Fuck. Um, you gotta text me your address, man. I gotta shoot you a hoodie over for being a participant on the show. And um, thank you so much, and keep doing the wonderful things that you're doing, my brother. Yeah, Rob, thanks for having me, brother. I really appreciate it. All right, till next time. Later, bro.